overwrite. Okay, so let's try this again. That did not work out so well. Um, good evening and welcome to Coalition M Radio. I'm your host, Carson Lopez, and I'm pretty excited about this episode because uh, I have a returner guest as well as a completely new guest here to talk about some of my favorite topics. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to address uh, the fact that I did find who to contact. If you listen to my talk with Emma uh, about the disability accommodations here on campus, um, I did find who to contact if you have any complaints or concerns about the disability accommodations here on campus. So if you notice or hear from a friend who is struggling to move around on campus fairly enough, whether that means having not enough disabled parking spaces, unstable leveling in the sidewalks, ridiculously steep ramps and elevator in the very back of the building, or whatever else uh, you may see, feel free to send Jennifer Pfeiffer over at the Kelly Center a kind email at jrpfeifer5 at fhsu.edu or call 785-628-4401. Thanks so much for your help. You'd be doing a personal friend of mine and fellow classmates of yours a huge, huge favor. Uh, also, don't forget to like the page Coalition M on Facebook, capital C and a capital M. And if you have questions, comments, or a potential discussion topic, feel free to email me at coalitionmr at gmail.com. That's all lower, lowercase, coalition, then the letter M and the letter R at gmail.com. Now, to get the ball rolling, I have with me Megan Rust and Derek Steed. So how are you two doing tonight? Tell me a little bit about yourselves and how school has been doing for you lately. Well, hi, I'm Megan. Um, I'm a leadership studies student and it's actually my senior year. So that's thrilling. Um, I This semester has been great. I'm taking all classes that I like, which has never actually happened before. So I'm just on cloud nine. Um, <laughs> and I'm even excited, even though I'm looking into things for my future. So that's it's a good time to be alive, I would say. Good. That's good to hear. What about you, Derek? What's up? Well, I'm a physics major. I'm a third year student here. Uh, yeah, my classes are going pretty well. Good. Not, nothing too bad. Um, I've only had one test so far. Eh, Might have failed it, but things happen. <laughs> right. It's only the beginning, you know. Yeah. We're cool, we're cool. I, I, I can work back up from there. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad to know you guys are doing so well. Um, so before I ask my first question of the night, I want to first thank both of you for joining me tonight. And I would like to also give a little context to tonight because there is some context. So I met Derek on Facebook, actually, when we got into a really cool discussion about feminism and men's rights after we both, we both commented on a mutual friend status. So the status was saying that there wasn't MRA or men's rights uh, activism until there was feminism in the same way that there wasn't all lives matter until there was black lives matter. So basically just calling men's rights activists, um, I guess, provocateurs of feminism not really serving a purpose other than to troll. Uh, and I was actually pleasantly surprised to find out that me as a feminist and Derek as a men's rights activist, we have a lot in common ideolo ideologically. Uh, the only thing we couldn't really come to see eye to eye on was the existence of rape culture. So on that, I'd like to hear some of Megan's thoughts and ho hopefully dig into it again some with Derek because I know he is an absolute joy to talk to about some of this some of these things and uh, I think that's getting to be a little too rare these days so I want to start by asking Megan what does rape culture mean to you and do you think it is prevalent in the United States? I 
feel like rape culture is um, a kind of all of society saying it's okay to take sex if you want it, to objectify people if you want it. Um, it doesn't matter kind of if it's harmful to them or if it's not benefiting them, um, but you have decided that their body is more important to you than it is to them. And I think it happens on both sides. I think there's definitely females that do the same thing to males and it's equally awful. Um, I just think in society it's more prevalent with uh, boys will be boys, um, things like the Brock Turner case, which was ridiculous, um, mm -hmm. and things like that where people talk about rape or they report rape and somebody's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have worn that. Mm -hmm. And like blaming somebody else for the person that they may have trusted, they may not have known to for mm -hmm. taking things away from them, like it's their fault. Okay, so that sounds um, pretty, uh, some abstract stuff. So nothing that you can really see going on. And when I, I know when I talked to Derek, it was he took it more literally. So things like um, Sharia law, where women are literally kind of cast out of the community if they're sexually assaulted um, people. Oh, no, they're stoned. Stoned to death, sorry. Actually stoned to death. Um, for being sexually assaulted just because of their... For committing the crime of adultery. Right. For, you know, their concept of sex is more like it belongs to these two people and particularly this man in the relationship. And so right. if somebody else comes in and, and invades that space of his. Um, so Derek, why don't you talk a little bit about what you think rape culture is versus kind of Megan's version of, of rape culture? Well, I mean... I take a bit more literal interpretation of rape culture mm -hmm. as being a culture that would promote rape or condone it. Mm -hmm. Such as, like, in a fundamentalist interpretation of Islam, like what uh, ISIS uses, it's perfectly okay to rape a non-religious woman because they don't have the same rights as... Right. Well, they don't have any rights. Anybody that is not a believer does not have rights. Mm -hmm. uh, they're seen as less than human. And that is a legitimate rape culture. That is something that should be fought and destroyed. But, like, in the modern U.S. or, like, Sweden or, you know, the U.K., mm -hmm. I mean, the closest thing that I've heard of to a rape culture is, uh... Have you heard of the Rotherham Rape Gangs in Britain? I have not. Rape Gangs? Yes. Okay. Uh... Uh, they happened in the city of Rotherham. I, I think it's city, not county. But uh, there were gangs of men that were grooming young girls and were uh, grooming them to basically be sex slaves where they would find them and, and give them drugs and alcohol to basically make them submissive. Then once they were too inebriated to defend themselves, do whatever they wanted. And they would groom them over time to the same way that you would groom any other, uh, like, sex slave. And the local police, instead of arresting the men, they would arrest the girls as prostitutes. Because the local police was coming under fire for, uh, these men all happened to be, uh, of the Muslim faith. And so they were coming under fire because they were targeting Muslims and that they didn't want to be called racist so they sought to fight the problem by approaching the other end of it instead and that's 
not my opinion on the matter. That's what the police chief said is why that mm -hmm. uh, they did this. And that basically they didn't want to be accused of being bigoted, so they just kind of let it go on. Okay. So what are your thoughts about um, prostitutes being arrested here in the U.S.? Is that kind of di a different that is situation? Okay. So the purpose of arresting a prostitute is to get them to basically tell tell who their, well, I guess in modern slang here it would be pimp, uh, but to tell how that they got into the human trafficking, and it's basically to put pressure on them to do it. I don't agree that we should arrest prostitutes, but, I mean, if your options are being, you know, a sex slave or being in jail temporarily, mm -hmm. and then hopefully getting out of the life, I mean, it's a step up, I guess, but it's not a good method of dealing with it. Yeah, I agree with that. But it basically it's seen as a stopgap right now because uh, the police are kind of, st like, it is a crime. I don't think it should be a crime, but it's a crime because it's exploitative in nature with how it's been applied in the U.S. Okay. Um, so I think that where both of your interpretations of rape culture kind of meet somewhere is that, this is just what I think, is that Megan's, though it's abstract and not literal, it's not literally in our laws that it's okay to rape and even sometimes encouraged. Um, I think that her interpretation of it allows a safe space for your interpretation of it. So what I mean by that is if where Megan and I stand on it is people are not quick to take a rape case seriously. And I know, and, and we'll get into that with you too, because I know you have different opinions about that too. Um, but if people are, you know, not so keen on believing someone who says I was raped, male or female, then that creates a stigma around that, which can then make it okay for us to just kind of brush it away not literally, literally, but, you know, yeah. law-wise and things like that. And so I think that um, even though I wouldn't agree that we literally live in a country where women are s documented as property and things like that, uh, I, w I would say that it's still here. It's still, the mindset is still here. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what makes it dangerous to us. Well, there is one situation in which um, it is kind of legal, uh, marital rape. Uh, it's really, really hard to prove. But if you say no and somebody forces you to have sex with them anyway, whether you're married or not, it's still rape. Um, and in a court of law, you basically can't, you can't do anything about it. So you can't say, I was raped by my husband. Um, and while they're not killing anybody, it is still saying to the other person, well, you chose to marry them, so this is your fault. Are you saying it's? I feel like, like today you can't yeah. you can't go. No, to it's court and definitely say illegal. Like it's been illegal since. Oh, I want to say like sixties or seventies. But it's not enforced. What do you mean by that? Like you, if a lot of people that go into um, like divorce proceedings or into a court of law um, because they feel as though they're being coerced into sex by their husband, um, and they that's one of the reasons that they cite often that gets thrown out because they're like, well, you married him, so obviously you said, I'm willing to have sex with you. And so it's really hard to prove because you can't really have proof of that. And yeah, a lot I of mean, people don't take it seriously. Okay. So even though a law is written, 
a lot of the time, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily carried out in a fair way or much at all. Okay. Well, the issue is, with rape, the only difference between it being a legal and legal action is, like, the opinion of the parties involved. Which is extremely difficult to prove. So most people, well, like most of the time, on clear-cut cases like, you know, if a random guy just pulls a woman into the bushes and rapes her, everyone's going to be like, well, obviously that's rape. But it's really difficult to prove that, like, typically marriages involve sex. That's kind of the norm. So if to prove that it was coercive sex without the use of, like, physical assault or intoxication involved, if it's just no and they do it anyway... It, it, you can't really prove that without having some, like, recording of it or anything. So that's why that a lot of times it basically gets tossed out because it, I mean, it boils down to hearsay in a situation where that consent is kind of assumed. Yeah, but I feel like assumed consent, I mean, I understand you can't prove it, but I don't think assumed consent is a thing. What do you mean by that? I mean, if you, usually at some point, during when you're getting ready for sex or whatever there is that okay let's do this kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and i don't think that just saying oh well we're dating so of course she wants it if she's drunk then i don't know i don't think that implied consent works there i don't i don't think that it's an implied contract that since you're dating somebody that you should i think what derek's saying is that other people will assume, right. like from yeah. the outside, people will yeah. be like, "Well, you guys are dating, or you guys are married, or you guys are yeah. whatever." In some relationship where sex would be um, kind normal. of obvious to other yeah. people, obvious right. to other people, and so, uh, Derek, would you agree that, or would you agree or disagree that people, most people in the United States, take rape cases seriously? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've I've known people that have literally killed people over allegations of rape. Like, I don't think that it's something that's not taken seriously. Okay. And you're not saying that everybody does, but most people. Or are you saying that everybody does take rape cases seriously? Well, I mean, I w- there's always going to be people that don't take something seriously. I sure. mean, you can't say that everybody. But yeah, the vast majority of people okay. do see an issue with raping people. Okay. What do you think about that, Megan? I see that people haven't uh, say they have an issue with people raping people, but... Um, there's a lot of statistics that show that women do not speak up when they get raped because they know that an institution will not take them seriously. Um, if somebody gets raped by an athlete, there is a high chance. Um, at Fort Hayes, I believe that this is not the case at all. I feel like they definitely take every single allegation very seriously, and I'm really proud to be part of an institution that does take Title IX so seriously. Um, but I know that other schools, um, even maybe schools close to us, people will, even if they do report the rape, um, they have to make they have to provide so much proof um, and that nobody believes them. And it's until you can prove to me exactly when this happened, exactly what happened, and that they're not an asset to our university, then you didn't get raped. And a lot of the times, um, as somebody might, the police might take a rape kit and they won't test it because apparently it costs too much money or it doesn't matter enough compared to other things. Um, there's actually an organization started by the Bay Marishka Hargate um, and it's called End the Backlog because there's such a huge backlog of, uh, backlog of rape kits that just haven't been tested. 
And in court, a lot of the times, it depends on um, the race of the person and how much power they have. But like, it's stupid stuff like Brock Turner, where a lot of people believed, and a lot of people on that that were in that courtroom believed, yes, he raped her, there is evidence, and the judge was like, but I don't want to ruin his swimming career. So his swimming career, which he might not have been that good, I have no idea, um, I don't like to look at his face, there's just something about it, um, was more important than the fact that he raped somebody. And a swimming career shouldn't be taken that seriously over ruining somebody's life. Yeah. Now, you brought up the... You brought up that it's really hard to prove. Now, in terms of criminal cases, rape is a is a crime that be, that takes beyond a reasonable uh, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, meaning that like since it inherently is due to like somebody's mental condition during the time of no, I do not consent. If they don't vocalize, if they don't fight. If there's no outward signs of that, then essentially you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt. It would be... It, it, it just can't be done at that point. Now, our laws state that that does not need to be done, which is pretty reasonable considering that there's other things like intoxication that can be taken into account, uh, coercion through other means, but beyond reasonable doubt is why that so many cases it, it's why that people are like oh the cases aren't taken seriously it's no the cases are taken seriously it's just beyond a reasonable doubt is exactly that beyond a reasonable doubt it's not you're 99 percent certain it's you are 100 percent certain that this happened but if a school official won't take you seriously when you report something so you can't take it any further because they said well it doesn't you don't report it to a school official, report it to the police. And if uh, there's a lot of people that report it to the police, and the police are like, okay, whatever, and then they don't test the kids. Rape kits are really ex extensive, and they're very, very, it's very in-depth and very traumatizing to a woman. So taking that rape kit is a huge step. But there are times when, well, number one, you should be able to report to your school that you got raped by somebody, and they should take you seriously, because that's the law. Well, that's the inappropriate place to take it. It's a criminal if matter. Take it to the if police. If you get raped by a student on campus, though, you should be feel like your institution sh would follow the law, I would think. I mean, if you get mugged on campus, you should still take it to the police. That's a police matter, not a school matter. So, so you don't think that we should report rapes to a, the campus if you get raped on campus? If you get no. raped in a residence hall? If you get raped in, like, the Empire State Building, do you go and tell whoever runs the Empire State Building that you got raped? No, you call the cops. It's a legal matter. You, you are claiming a crime has been committed against you. You call the cops. They are the ones that are equipped to handle it. I feel like you should be able to talk to your school, though. I, because there's a lot of, that's what, if you, and it's, if you see something, say something, so you might not be able to report it to the cops immediately but you can have somebody that's supporting you while you're going to the cops because it's yeah. really traumatic so i'm not saying you shouldn't seek support i'm just saying that like they shouldn't like the school shouldn't be your primary like way of reporting it you should go to the police because they're the ones that are meant to take care of this that's why we have police officers so i see i see what you're saying there yeah. um but so here's the ideally you're right i think um but Here's the issue: is that 
the first people that residents, especially in res halls, if it happened there or if there are residents yeah. there, the first people they usually tell are not the police. It's usually their RAs yes. or their hall I directors. think they're called, like, outcry witnesses. Who is? The, the first person you tell about that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, our, I was in RA last year, and so we were uh, told that that could be something that a student comes up or a resident of yours comes up and, and wants to talk to you about. And so we had to kind of be prepared to say, okay, well, are you aware that I'm a mandated reporter? I do have well, to tell my yeah. health director. Okay. And so realistically, the school is the first person or the first people to know. They are going to know about it either way because they have to know what's going on in their campus. Yes. I'm not saying you shouldn't tell the school. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that. I think you did, though. I think you did say when Megan said, do you think we shouldn't tell the school? You said, no, I think oh. we should tell the police. Well, Okay, it's a legal matter. Mm-hmm. We have a legal I system. I don't think that's in Schools question. are not part of the legal system. I, I mean, mean I, you don't think they're responsible for something if something... If there are 12 muggings a day on their campus, you don't think they should probably get involved and do... Try well to yeah. do something. Okay. Yeah, they should definitely try to dissuade muggings and rapes and stuff. Sure. That's obviously So you do think issue. they play a role? Yeah. So where's the discrepancy between them being notified and the police being notified first? What's the... What's... Who, why does it matter to you who's told first? Oh, I, I don't care who's told first. All okay. that matters is that the police are alerted to it. Right, and they always are, especially yeah. if the school knows about it first. Yeah. They will immediately note the... Right? Is that right? Uh, yeah. I think yeah. if you're in any position where you're getting paid by the university, um, which has been interesting because sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not mm-hmm. in my life uh, as a student here, uh, you have to, you're a mandated reporter. Okay. So you well, have to report it to the police. If, okay. if anybody outcries to you, you should probably report it to the police because if you don't report it to the police, then technically you're an accomplice to the crime because you know about it and didn't report it. That's interesting. Even yeah. if it's a case of rape and somebody just... Or even if you're a student? I mean, if you witness a mugging and you don't call the cops, it's... It falls under, uh... Right, but if someone tells you I was just mugged and you don't tell anybody, they're not going to arrest you. Well... Unless you, I guess, witness someone being yeah, raped? Is that yeah, what you're talking about? Yeah, but I mean... Y- yeah. Okay. But, uh, I mean, you should... You should probably tell the cops anyway. Like... Well, yeah, that's... I don't think that's into question. Yeah. And, and I don't think, um... I think... It... Y- I think we would all agree that legally it is a tricky... A very, very tricky crime to prove, Mm -hmm. you know, literally. I I think it actually falls under a good Samaritan clause. Like, if you don't report crimes that you see being committed. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a misdemeanor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know what you're talking about. Um, I I think that the, probably the, where you guys will split hairs is the social aspect around rape and what other people looking at a... Uh, police report or seeing that somebody they don't really know but know of on campus being assaulted, whether that's, you know, male or female. Uh, I think the the social aspect, what do people think about it? What are they saying? What are they... Because that has an effect on what are what are people who are put in juries going to think? What are people who are put up in judges going to think? Because, you know, if you come from a place where rape is absolutely unequivocally unacceptable there is no reason for the man or woman to ever be invaded like that physically then i think you're likely to be a very harsh judge when you hear cases like that whereas you know the opposite it's vice versa uh do you think that the social roles that we see playing out here have any effect on on things like that 
Well, I mean, when it comes to judges, they shouldn't actually allow any of their biases to show through in their I, I understand. I understand, Derek, that but I, we're talking nobody about Nobody can actually people. do that, right. though. Right. So, yeah, like, the surrounding culture is going to affect it, mm -hmm. especially if somebody has very strong feelings on the matter. Yeah. Okay. But, like, in a legal sense, they really shouldn't let that color their judgment of the right. issue. Right. I understand that, you know, legally... And ideally, we want all these things to be true, but I want to yeah. look at what's actually true. I want to look at what people are actually saying and what's going on well, here, you know, on campus. I mean, why don't we narrow it down a little so I can yeah. be more clear on, like, yeah. what you want me to discuss about. Because just, yeah. like, the social aspect of it is a little vague. Okay, uh, so is somebody here, not police, not the school, not, like, people of authority, just a student, Megan, me, or you? Uh, are we more likely to hear about a recent and local, say, campus um, sexual assault situation? Are we more likely to be like, mm, but I heard that she was kind of persuade, like, egging him on? Or are we more likely to be like, that's absolutely awful. I hope that she gets help. I hope that he gets punished, whatever. What do you think? That's what I mean by the social aspect. What are people saying? And what are people thinking? Because that's where the culture aspect comes into it, you know. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I okay. mean, I mean, I've never heard of stuff like this going on around campus, so I wouldn't know, like, it has. among yeah. peers what. I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm just saying right, I've yeah. never heard of it. Yeah, I'm, I understand. But, uh, I mean, I think it really, I think it varies with the situation. What do you mean by that? Like, uh. It basically how much doubt the situation throws into it because okay. you know if it, it kind of comes back to that like is it reasonable to assume that like it it's just no this was clearly rape or yeah. no this was clearly so consent. what is without a doubt and to you well I mean the obvious things like grab from a bush but okay, and what if it's but when it's what two people do behind closed doors, there's going to be a lot of hearsay on that. There's going to be a lot of doubt based off of people's own ex own experiences with what's going on with that, what people think of both parties involved. It's really hard to make a claim on, like, and like it varies from case to case, and like the facts of it from to the facts of it. It it'd be really hard for me to make a judgment call, but on something like. Like, oh, it happened at, like, one of the big drunken parties. Like, the guy groped her on the couch. I think that most people would be like, well, that's kind of a shitty thing to do, isn't that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think another part of this that um, may not necessarily go into the legal side of things, though, is the justice side of things. Um, because one of the things that happens with um, when you report a rape on campus, it doesn't have to be proven without, like, without a doubt that it happened for a student to get expelled or to lose a scholarship um, because if most of the time when rape allegations are made it's because somebody got raped um, there's a really big there's this really big stigma that says that people lie about it to get attention but that doesn't really happen because you get it's awful when you say that you've gotten raped like it's not it's not a happy time for anybody and it's not good attention and it's not attention that makes you feel any kind of affirmed um, and so a lot of the things are that he took something so important away from me and now he is getting a punishment that 
is tangible because a lot of people when they get a slap on the wrist they're like okay whatever and then they go to a party and they're like well see I had heard this but like I don't think she's gonna say anything so I think it's fine well, um, so I think that's the other part of it is that it's not always just criminal convictions because it's very difficult um, and sometimes they don't actually go in front of a jury um, so it might just be the judge but um, there's that other aspect of the justice of knowing that you've been heard and that it is understood that you have been violated that I think is um, important to a lot of people who have survived rape because when you're told over and over and over again it didn't happen it didn't happen it's basically saying you're not worth listening to which is part of that rape culture that when people get raped they don't want to talk because they think that people are going to tell them that it didn't happen well you made a lot of points there i'd like to unpack them in the order that you brought them up so you brought up the fact that people can be expelled without having any actual criminal yeah. charges brought in, like yeah proven against them and you call that justice and I would like to point out that our legal system was developed with the sole purpose of achieving justice in mind. And ex extrajudicial extra punishments are not justice. They are exactly that. It, it's kind of like vi vigilantism. Is that justice? Is it justice but it's on an allegation to go out and beat a man? It's still an institution, though. It's a government institution, so it's not like... But they're not a legal institution. But and if there's no charges that were proven, they should not take action. Are you saying that going and beating up a man is the same thing as expelling him from a school where he committed a crime? Or no? Well, if he's not found guilty, then they don't have grounds okay. for dismissal. Um, they dismissed, I know last year there was a student that had been, um, he was under investigation for um, distribution of child pornography and he immediately got expelled. He hasn't been proven of it yet because he's very good with computers and he is very good at hiding those kinds of things, but there was reasonable amount of proof that he was committing this crime and the university did not want to be, they didn't want to be attached to his name in any way. And okay, so this kind of gets into like university so motive. Yeah. Yeah. Not and so I think much justice. I, I feel like it's justice for the person that got raped, but I can see how okay. you wouldn't think it's justice I mean, if you think that the for the person well, the legal system is here. the only person that can provide that justice. Okay. okay, and now I guess this comes back to, you said that false claims are not made because uh, it's an awful system. And you, and you said that the motive that people say is to get attention. I would say that false allegations are not made to get attention, at least in the vast majority of cases. They are made vindictively to try to cause harm to someone. I know s several men that have had this happen to them. Uh, like, say how that our school, uh, uh, the, the guy you were just talking about, they uh, expelled him. There we go. Sorry, I couldn't think of it. How they just expelled him. Now, if a simple, if the school says, okay, any allegation of rape is grounds for expulsion. Now, is that justice that a simple allegation is grounds for, for expulsion? I don't think that allegations, but I think if there's evidence, then I think it's because... Wouldn't there be well, uh, conviction if there was evidence? Well, not necessarily due to the... beyond a reasonable okay. doubt. Yeah. That's why a lot of... Which Okay. There's a lot of, on both sides, like, he didn't actually do it, but he went to jail, or he did it, and he didn't go to jail. Okay, or she, yeah. or they, however, okay. whoever Which it is. Which the school, 
the school has a lower preponderance of evidence that basically stands at probability if it if it's probable that it could have happened then they can enact uh punishments on it and uh that's why that they could expel that student even though no charges had actually like been proven against him mm-hmm. is because is they probably found that it was probable that he could have done it mm-hmm. now uh gotta say if you get kicked out of school and because it's marked in your record oh it was an allegation of rape that's why he was kicked out of the school i don't think that's going to bode well at trying to get into other schools and it's basically just you don't get to have a college education now and which is what's happened to many students that there are i know currently of one case that's being appealed as high as he can take it that he was uh expelled for school under a charge that was later dropped but he was expelled anyway and he felt that that was in basically a miscarriage of justice to punish him for something that he wasn't found guilty of and he's been trying to fight the uh, expulsion because now he can't go to any other school because it's marked in his record why that he was expelled mm-hmm. now in terms of justice would you say the justice was served there. Was the charge dropped before he got expelled? I believe so. Okay, well then no, because the court of law proved that it didn't happen. I, I don't think that it actually went to trial. I think that the charge was dropped by the plaintiff. Not wanting to proceed with it. What brand of law was, was being, like what brand Criminal. of I know, but, like, was it, like, violence, or was it theft, or... Rape. I'm not clear what you're asking. Okay, so it was a rape case. Yes. Um, Well, I personally, there's a lot of reasons why you would drop a rape case, Um, and I think if it wasn't disproven in a court of law, like, actually taken off of his record and the arrest, you know, like, defamation of character or whatever, said that they didn't actually do it, um, there's a lot of reasons why you would drop a rape case. Yeah. And some people just don't want to relive it. Derek, do you think um, <coughs> if it is proven that they should be expelled or not? Yeah, expelled? obviously. Okay. I mean, they'll probably be in jail anyway. Yeah, but I mean, in the yeah. Case, in I the mean case at that, that point, it's just kind of redundant. In, in the case of someone like Brock Turner, who was given like six months and then was out in like three, three uh, yeah. do you think they should be allowed back on campus or allowed to? No. No. Okay. It's not guilty. Okay. I was just curious about I that. I mean. Um, I the school has every right to refuse yeah. service to anyone that they choose. Okay. I mean, being found guilty yeah. of rape is a pretty good reason to be like, nah, you're not welcome on our campus. Right, I was just, I just paused a little bit because what we've been talking about is should they, based on an allegation, you know, and, and you don't think they should, but you do think they have the, they have the right to do that still, based <sighs> on like an allegation? It it kind of gets difficult there because okay. if if the school is completely privately funded, yeah, they they can do that. But since most universities aren't, they're public, they're par- at least partially publicly funded. They should still kind of be held to the same rules and regulations that the rest of governing like state bodies are held to, mm-hmm. and that they should have different restrictions placed on them as such. And I mean, it gets really fuzzy there, right? In like. Where does the right to the school to deny service end, and where does the right to the student to not be uh, 
punished outside of an actual like an actual cause mm -hmm. okay so um i want to i really want to get into um men's mra men's rights activism and, and feminism in just a second but uh i want to ask before we put a pin in in rape culture real quick um i think what i'm hearing from uh both of these sides is that I think there's a question of why do people sometimes not believe rape victims? Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's where you guys will diverge. <coughs> so why, d why do you think that people will not believe a, let's go with women right now. Why do you think people might not, I'm not saying most of them do, I'm not saying even half of them do, I'm just saying why do you think someone would not believe a rape case where a woman says she was raped by a man? Well, I mean, you're going to run into people that are never going to believe it. Like, say that man has a wife. She's never going to believe that. Like, Okay, it, why not? Well, I mean, for, for the most part, I mean, you, you'd have to make a pretty strong case to persuade my fiancé that I raped someone. Like, be pretty much immutable. Because case. she knows you. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, would you believe that your father raped someone? I mean, that's a... Bad example, but... Uh, yeah, but for most people. Yeah, for most people, right? Yeah. I'm not saying I think my dad's a rapist, but... No, yeah, um, I'm just saying. I understand where you're going with it, yeah. If you're going to have a strong, like, emotional tie to someone, sure. you're not going to want to believe that. Sure. Because simple human nature. Mm -hmm. So what about strangers, then? What do you think? But for strangers, it falls back down onto the, uh, like, probability aspect again of, you know, if it's, oh, he pulled me into a bush. Sure. I think everyone will believe, yeah, that was probably rape then. Yeah. Um, but if it's like, right. basically, when oh, we we're having obvious. a date. Yeah. Uh, he invited me back to his place. We, you know, we're there. We're drinking. That's One a thing led to another. I said, okay. I said no, but he continued on. It's like, so there's a lot of doubt in that situation. Okay. And I think that's where most private. of that comes from. Because more private. So yeah. Okay. So where do people get these standards of doubt and reasonab reasonable doubt and things like that. Where does that come from? I mean, I, I'd have to say from your own experiences with how things go and just, I mean, it's harsh, but I mean, technically you shouldn't b believe somebody just based off on that allegation. That's not how the justice is served. You have to take them seriously, investigate, but you don't necessarily have to believe them. You just have to see what the evidence says and go from there. Now, obviously, you have to, you know, believe their claim that it was rape in the sense that they didn't consent. Otherwise, no crime happened because mm -hmm. that's the basis of rape. But, I mean, the, like, here, with that Brock Turner case, uh, that, I'm sorry, I cannot remember your name. It's Megan. <laughs> sorry, Megan. <laughs> that's okay. With the Brock Turner case, that's the one where that she was passed up behind a dumpster, right? Yes. Okay. Like, in that one, you could see where that people can get doubt if they, s like, if they don't have all the information of what really happened, and all they hear is a girl woke up, like, behind a dumpster because she had blacked out, claiming that she had been raped while she was blacked out. Well... What about... There were witnesses, though. Yeah. To the that's why that their the doubt died down. But if okay. it's just... I was raped while I was blacked out. That can cause a lot of doubt simply because, like, if say you can't remember it, you just wake up and you're like, oh, well, uh, 
I had sex and I don't remember consenting to it. Well, the that causes a lot of doubt. We have ra uh, rape kits. Yeah. So that's nice. Okay. It's like yeah. a little. But I mean, rape question. kits can only prove that sex happened and like various th aspects about it. They can't prove consent. Uh, is yeah, the but issue. if you're drunk, you can't give consent. Yeah. So or, if you're blacked or out. Passed out. <laughs> yeah. Or passed out. Or passed out. Yeah. Then yeah. you're. You and a lot raped. of people don't believe that. A lot of people would disagree and say, well. I have drunk sex all the time. Why can't you consent to it? Well, the good news is that our legal system does not believe that. So yep. no matter what they believe, if we're putting our faith in the law, they say if you are drunk, you are not, you can't say yes. That's not how that works. Well, I mean, we weren't discussing the legal system. We were discussing why would people doubt it. I know. I'm just saying that you, the way that you take it a lot is if they're convicted of rape, then they're a rapist because you, you have a lot of faith yeah. in, the, in the legal system. So that's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. Okay, so so you're saying like in obvious situations where it's kind of like uh, so if it like so if it was the the woman who said I was dragged into a bush even though there were no witnesses do you think people would absolutely believe that most people yeah most people would believe that okay I mean you you but in the case of being you shouldn't out. but most people are gonna be like well yeah that's clearly rape okay but uh like. It it really falls into, like, people's own personal prejudices to, like, with that whole drunk thing. Like, a lot of people disagree that you can't consent when you're drunk because a lot of people, yeah, you know, true. spend their Saturdays getting drunk and then having sex. And, like, mm -hmm. that's not an uncommon Saturday activity around here. Right. Like, <laughs> and so, it, like, you're, you're never going to be able to get everybody to, you know, always believe, which... Yeah. It frankly is a little like unrealistic of a goal, but I mean you can. The most you can do is try to get, like, as much truth out there and just hope that people will, like, be able to decipher for themselves like how that it played out. Okay. I mean, you can't really do much better than that. Okay, Megan, why do you think that people um, would be m more likely to doubt if someone were to doubt? Um, hearing about a rape case or a rape victim if someone were to doubt it why would they why would they doubt what do you think okay step one can we move the cookies because i have eaten five <laughs> <laughs> here we'll put them yeah I'll, yeah i'll take them i'll take them so good i'll protect them with my mouth yeah i definitely <laughs> ate more than five before i came here yeah these are delicious things i made 48 of them and there's you're definitely amazing. not 48 in that box you're amazing <laughs> um so i have seen um when people are judging whether they believe it or not um it's uh, how much sex somebody like if they think the woman's a slut um, because if I personally said that I got raped people would probably believe me a little bit more than somebody who's had a lot of sexual partners because I go to church every Sunday I want to be a missionary like I'm a good girl like okay. so they're gonna see me and say she is telling the truth because she wouldn't normally have sex um, but okay. if there's a girl that's promiscuous and does whatever the heck she wants with her body because it's hers um, but people see that and they're like, oh, well, I mean, she has sex so often, like, obviously she wanted it. Um, okay. and then I think the other half of that then is the person that she's accusing. Um, because if it's somebody who's, you know, on the surface, a golden boy, like he would never do this. He doesn't even drink. Like that's what his parents think. It's probably not true. Um, <laughs> because college, college. people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and they think if people see him and they think, oh, he's an athlete, or he's an asset to something, or he works so hard, like, why would he ever do that? Like, he's just, he's way above that. Um, and so I think that's a lot of it. And then 
there's always that question, well, what are you wearing? Yeah. Well, I mean, that one comes up when the police are in, like, talking with you. I know, but it shouldn't matter. You think it should matter? It's part, well, I mean, it's part of the whole thing. Because, like, you know, if you get raped while you're wearing a t-shirt and jeans, it's going to be very clear, like, you weren't intending to have sex. But, like, if you're in the bedroom in your underwear, that's, it, it helps solidify the case, basically. Um, is it, why that's asked. I think that it still goes back to this whole thing. Um, do you know about Denim Day that we do every year? Yes. Do you know why we do that? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. There was a woman who was raped in Italy, and she was told that she was not raped because her jeans were too tight for him to take off easily. And uh, so she was, so it was about what she was wearing, not about the fact that she was raped. And if I want to wear a short skirt, that doesn't mean I want to have sex. That means I have great legs, and I want people <laughs> to see them. Oh, I'm not saying that it should affect it or anyway. Right. I'm just saying that it does affect how the people see the situation. You, I mean, you can say it shouldn't, but that's it's it's gonna happen. I mean, people are going to form opinions based off of what they know, and like mm-hmm. with the with the sluttier girl versus the you know uh, wanting to wait until marriage girl. Like where that that comes in is that people are like, well. It, it brings up doubt in the situation, basically. They're like, well, if she goes out and has sex every Saturday night, why is this Saturday night different? And I think that's why uh, my idea of rape culture might be a little bit different than yours, because I see that as um, saying that a woman likes to have sex gives people doubt, and the fact that that's a cultural standard, I believe, is rape culture. Um, mm. And so I see it a little bit more obtusely than you do because you look at it more close to the law and to kind of proof. But I look at the the wider things because there's just so many people that I know that have been so affected by it. And I can see how asking what somebody was wearing makes them feel like, well, I'm just my clothes. And so it's not the law. It's that people suck. So let's put a pin in this okay. good girl, bad girl thing for just a second. We'll come right. We'll come back to it. Um, it's going really great, <laughs> by the way. I love <laughs> this. Um, so, Derek, talk to me a little bit about um, why you consider yourself a men's rights activist. What issues concern you the most? Uh, what it's about to you? And, and just kind of run, run me through it one more time and, and just kind of uh, let our listeners know what, what it's about. I mean, I guess that inherently men's rights activism is almost like inspired by feminism because... You know, they saw the success of women fighting to make their lives better, you know, getting equal equal pay, equal workplace, uh, I, I guess availability. I don't, I don't know. Like being able to get voting. jobs that used to only be men, like yeah. steel Voting worker. rights, yeah, things like that. But, uh, yeah, and voting rights, which was suffragettes, not feminists, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the men's rights stuff is both inspired and kind of in response because a lot of the issues that have come up have come up as a result of the feminist movement such as things like i i would say the single biggest issue uh is divorce court and how that it very heavily favors the mother and that i was basically codified in the law with the tender years doctrine Mm -hmm. which stated that children in their tender years which need their mother more because yeah need their mother yeah based off of you know basic biological need obviously okay yeah uh, intent when the tender years doctrine was proposed it meant six and younger now it's been taken to 
mean all children need their mother more than their father. Which, okay. if you look at our current, like, single parent statistics and our, like, divorce court uh, primary custody ratios, you'll see a very heavy favoring towards the mothers. Uh, there's also uh, the, the, like, fairness of rape trials in the U.S. is another big issue because there are a lot of men that have said that they were falsely accused of rape, that destroyed their lives, and that basically there was nothing they could do about it, that they faced unfair conditions in court, and that when they tried to, uh, once it was found that they were not guilty, that they tried to enact a uh, charge of false allegation, which I know several men that have been falsely accused as well. Uh, it, like, I'd say those are the biggest issues. Okay. But there are, like, other issues. Yeah, I know you and um, I talked about yeah. also um, men being sexually assaulted. Yes. And the social stigma that surrounds that. Yes. Um, would you like to say anything more about that? I mean, sure. I mean, the whole thing about men not wanting to come forward, which, I mean, she would probably say is, rape culture because they don't want to come forward about th their rapes, mm -hmm. I think has a lot less to do with the surrounding culture and a lot more to do with men's psychology of not wanting to appear weak mm -hmm. and that like most men would, they don't, they would rather just, you know what, it happened just no need to go and bring up a court trial, mm -hmm. you know can't do anything about it now, just move on with their life okay. and just put it behind them and that's a problem yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked quite a bit about this. I remember in our in our uh, in our messaging. So I think it came down to like the whole rape culture thing, where I was saying that that is socially programmed into them. Not, and you were saying that's part of their biology is to want to be uh, seen as strong and not. Men overcome. don't want to be seen as a victim, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. they don't want to be seen as weak. Okay. And for the vast majority of men, being a victim is seen as having a weakness. Okay. Kind of deal. Do you think that's mostly just for men or for... Oh, I'm certain that's why a lot of women don't report yeah. rape okay. because they don't want to be seen as a victim. Okay. Um, just thinking for a second. But, like... Well, you think I'd, I'd, I mean, that's not really part of a culture. That's just inherent to people that they don't want to be seen as weak by others. Okay. And they don't, and a lot of it is they don't want to admit it to themselves. Okay. So do you that think that, it, that, yeah. that it's probably prevalent in every culture that yeah. like ev everybody who is raped is not going to want to be perceived as, as weak? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you see it everywhere in the world. Okay. Um, uh, I have kind of a counter argument to that. Sure. Um, so I think that it is very social um, because weakness um, in a lot of situations, like I have amazing friends and I love them very much because they love me for everything that I am. And when I admit weakness, um, often it helps solidify our friendship and we can understand each other better. Um, and like when I'm at work, when I admit that I'm too weak to do something, it's just part of my job and there's no shame in it. Um, and shame is not biological at all. Shame is because people suck. And people sucking is society, it's not biology. And so I don't think that that's biological. I think that's everybody in the culture saying, this is bad, so you think it's bad, 
but I've been in a lot of situations where being weak isn't bad. It's just something that happens. So do you think shame in general is not biological? I don't think it's biological, no. I, okay. I mean, it's, it's an emotion. They are literally biological in nature. They are a chemical in your body. So, yeah, I would say that shame is... Um, well, it might be an emotion that you feel, but I don't think that it's biological that you shame people. Okay. Like you put it on somebody else. I don't okay. think that's something that is okay. just programmed in us. I would say that uh, shame is definitely a part of human nature, but maybe where we put it is not. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, and so I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, so I, th I think that um, what I'm hearing from you, Derek, is that it is, wherever it, it comes in, it is always biological. So every every culture will treat something like rape with shame involved yeah. just like they'll you know treat something well, i mean losing. you see it in every culture mm -hmm. i like i didn't come i didn't assume that then check i i just yeah so i mean i never heard of people being like yeah i was fine with it it's always right. like oh i felt you know shame about it mm -hmm. which is a very human response to something like bad happening to them to being violated, violated. in that way yeah um so does that mean that Mm, I might be getting back on rape culture already. Um, I want to I want to backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, so I read your your paper that you sent yes. me, which was about fathers' rights yes. and divorce laws and and how and, and so do you stand by that paper still? Their opinions in it uh, and everything. Probably. Okay. I read it okay. A while, but yeah. Oh, I I reviewed it just last night just to refresh my memory um, that was a good idea i probably should have done that that's okay too. that's okay I'll, I'll i'll ask you about it um so do you think that do you still think that people who have been divorced should still get back together for their children's sake well okay my opinion on it is that uh based off of the research that i've seen that a divorce is very harmful on children, that it mm -hmm. it very negatively affects them socially, ec economically, uh, education, like in terms of their education. I mean, being the child of divorce is like one of the greatest, si single greatest factors in basically every negative aspect that can happen in a life that, you know, is obviously under your control. You can't really help if somebody like mugs you. Uh, like, it increases rates of poverty, drug addiction, uh, incarceration. Like it, it's really b hard on children. Mm -hmm. So, even marriages that are poor are still better than divorce. They found that, yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, like from very from several longitudinal studies, meaning like over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, Hang on a second. So you're not saying that like in I know you're not saying in cases of, um, like, like abuse, abuse that they should still stay um, together. Even up to mild fiscal abuse, but yeah, you shouldn't, I mean, obviously you shouldn't stay because that's not okay. exactly a good sign if okay. it gets to mild fiscal abuse. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, they even accounted for mild fiscal abuse, and it was still, like, as long as it was, you know, mild, mm -hmm. it was still less harmful than divorce from several of the studies that I looked at, which... Interesting. Rather shocking to me. Yeah. When I saw that. But yeah, like, as long as there's no, like, 
really severe issue with the relationship, the whole, like, staying together for the kids is actually pretty sound reasoning. That it does okay. help the children to okay. not divorce until after they're out of the home. So, even if you are seeing mom and dad, um, something so far as screaming at each other every night, not hitting each other, yeah, um, screaming at each other or not talking at all, or just not wanting to be around each other, you know, gossiping about each other, using the kid to kind of take yeah. sides. That's better than them just saying, you know, mom and I just aren't right for each other and we're not going to go through with this anymore. And I mean, that's what the data showed, but okay. I don't know how well the, the data can really account for things but, but, yeah, like okay. the emotional distress that that will cause. Okay. But, uh, like, that's where the, my opinion on that came from. But, I mean, if that's how poor quality your, like, relationship is, like, I'm also a firm believer in that you should try to fix it instead of just, like, mm -hmm. giving up on it, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe instead of going to the divorce lawyer, you go to the marriage counselor instead. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... I think that relationships, especially in marriages, are a lot more complicated than just, well, we'll just fix it yeah. because a, a therapist yeah, can well just tell us. If your relationship is so poor that it would require a divorce, maybe you shouldn't have had kids. I mean, I, I don't think it was like that the whole time or they wouldn't yeah. even be married. So People are you change. Well, yeah. Like um, freshmen in high school, Megan, and uh, Megan now. <laughs> Are completely different <laughs> yeah. people. I don't even want to talk about high school. <laughs> Same. Um, That's why I'm saying we're so right. different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying that people don't change, but I'm saying that like, like in in for the children, the whole, the adi the old adage of stay together for the children mm -hmm. appears to ring true. Um. Okay. So why do you think that is that children would rather see their parents still together but not loving each other versus not being together? Uh. From like in the terms of like it helping the, their development I think that it's more just plain functionality than anything like emotional I think that just having two parents around is just overall better than only having the one parent around just in terms of like straight time that can be devoted to the children the amount of resources available because two parent households tend to have more income and more stable income than single parent households and uh just simple things like you know if you're a single parent with a sick child and you have to work that's really a big issue mm -hmm. but if there's two parents it's a much lesser issue and i think that it more arises out of the simple time economics okay as well as other issues you, you have anything to add to that megan like kind um, of dominating the uh, it's fine uh well part of it is that a lot of people don't go to marriage counseling for the same reason why people don't go to counseling is because of shame which is apparently biological um, because people mm. feel ashamed to, it's again admitting that you're weak enough that you have to go to therapy. Um, so a lot of people are like, well, I'm, it's not that bad. And they would rather not do that. Um, I've seen a lot of people like that. I was really, didn't want to go to therapy for a very long time because of the stigma. And then I went and like, I'm blossoming, blossoming now. So obviously it was very good for me. Um, I think that, uh, numbers, are not necessarily the best way to look at that situation um, because I can see how well maybe there are more hours for a parent to devote to another uh, to their child if they're sick or um, they might be able to yes get them to school easier but I know that s psychological factors are so very important um, because when you're around a dysfunctional marriage you're much more likely to also have a dysfunctional marriage 
children of divorce often divorce as well um mm-hmm. it's just like the cycle of abuse it's the same thing when you've yeah. grown up around something um and so i don't think that being around that is good for a child because they don't know what love looks like because in their house they see daddy throw things throws things when he's mad and mommy cries but for some reason we're still all together and so i think that this is what it should look like and so when i'm mad i need to throw things and then they also and that manifests itself into worse and worse things yeah that is true it's just that how would you account for the data saying that you're wrong basically well i think that yeah there's two people to drive you places um there's two people to pay for things um so yeah money and the ability to get places yeah so they go to school more they do better in school they have more access to um somebody getting them places yeah they get to do ballet but it's also things like oh i don't like i can't start doing drugs because my parents will catch me because they're actually there I don't think that stops people from two-parent households either. I think that it helps at least. But, I mean... I don't know the numbers on that. <laughs> yeah, but... I just know that well, if mom and dad don't like each other, they're probably not in the house together. So there's nobody there to see if you're doing drugs or not. So let me ask this. Um, do you think that a better solution would just be uh, t- to have a two parents who have a good relationship whether they're well, obviously that's the best right? that's the best situation whether they're divorced or not would that oh. just be a better solution than forcing someone to stay with someone they don't love in well, a marriage if we're going off the data no okay. the, the, like unfortunately that's just how it plays out like okay. I, I i'm not arguing that from like a personal standpoint that's just well, what i've seen from personally. the data do you think that I mean, the data can show you numbers, and they can say this amount of people said that they were happy, even though their parents didn't love them, didn't love each other, um, because they were still at least there. Versus people who said, "I wish my dad or mom had at least been there," because then I think it would turn out better. So we can look at yeah. those numbers. That's fine. Well, but there's also, also a personal aspect to it that you have to actually ask yourself: Is it worth it to make those couples come back together? Whereas otherwise, I'm not saying that they should be forced together. Oh, in the paper you did, you did say that couples, one of the things that the Father's Rights campaign fights for is to get counseling for couples who have divorced and to make it even harder, more difficult for couples to divorce in the future. Oh, yeah, I I was, my paper was against uh, no-fault divorce as being harmful to children. I don't care about it in, like, if you just do that on, when you don't have children. Uh, Who did the research? I'm just curious. For the paper? Me. No, like, for the, the numbers that you got. He, oh. he has. You want to share? Oh, yeah. um, I, you want I, me to share? Off the, the top of my head, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I'll, I'll I don't share the paper with you later. I mean, I wrote okay. that like just, a year and a half I ago. I just want to yeah. know the source because there's also the um, danger of skewed data and inappropriate sure. research methods. We, you, I, you which I did it. look I into the methodology of the research. Okay. Uh, Let's just trust for okay, all yeah. the purposes right now. Yeah, I'm very hyped. I'm pretty critical of the research. I was just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Because there's the anti-vax thing, and you know that ruined everything. So. Yeah. Get into that. Yeah, I'm very cri- <laughs> I'm very critical of the methodology yeah. of okay. the research yeah. that Just I use. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I mean, what was I about to say? So no fault divorce. Yeah. You, you yeah. Want, you okay. want more restrictions for people to Yeah, be able because to it's been shown that divorce is hard on children. And it appears to be harder than even than a loveless marriage 
and even a downright dysfunctional marriage, just as long as the marriage isn't abusive. And I think that a lot of it has to do with, there's been a lot of focus placed on the relationship between the parents, but in terms of childhood development, I think that the relationship between the child and the parents is much more important okay. than the relationship between, like, between the parents themselves. That okay. you're going to have significantly more time with your parents if they both live in the same house with, with you mm -hmm. than if they live in separate homes. Like, okay. it's just a simple economic, like, time economic right. thing. Okay. And, and so that it sorry, helps, go ahead. sorry, that it's, it's going to help blossom that relationship and basically just help you throughout, like, as you're developing, that, you know, studies have shown that two parents are better than one. That's just okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess my pushback would just be the same thing. Like, y you can look at numbers and say, you know, well, they said, so this has to be the right course of action, you know, but I think a lot of that also has to do with how people handle divorces and how people... I think it goes back to, like, you know, the question I asked, would it just be good if they just had a better relationship with each other? Not necessarily, like, a love relationship, but just a... Yeah, just a even a functioning relationship right, is substantially better than divorce. To just have a functioning relationship... Well, even if they are divorced, I think is what well, she's right, going. Even uh, inside or outside of marriage. To just have a functioning relationship with the person you had a child with. Would you agree that that's better than any of those solutions we just listed? Divorce, not divorce putting people, counseling, whatever. It, it, well, if they at least have a good No, that was kind of the point of my paper. So even if they can <laughs> have a functioning relationship outside of marriage, you still think they shouldn't be divorced? Well, that's basically what the data played out was that as long as the relationship isn't too dysfunctional, that it's still better. Like, I, I don't, like, one way or the other, that's their decision to make. I don't really have much opinion on what they decide. Uh, the married the people? Okay. Yeah. But... Well, I mean, you do because you don't think they should have no-fault divorce. Well... So you do... I, I was arguing thing. against no-fault divorce as, like, an institution as it... It's not good for society. Not right. as, like... Yeah, that's what... People I'm shouldn't... I mean, people shouldn't do it because it's not good for their children. Right. So you do have an opinion on it. Yeah. It's okay. But, you like... That. But, like, in individual instances, I, like... Like, if my friends want to get divorced, I'm like, well, you shouldn't, but it's your choice. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, I, I think, like, you know, we can always do more research, but yeah. the research that we have so far supports that it's not good. I'm guessing divorce. this doesn't really go with, like, blended families or anything like that after the divorce. Oh, no, it checked blended families. It did? Yeah, they still aren't as good as the original parents. Hmm. Yeah. I, I guess I just have really positive examples of blended families, so that might yeah. be why. Yeah, I think there will well, always be new ones. <sighs> That's why I think that it has to do with the relationship between the parents, because uh, it's like it's been very heavily observed that you form much stronger familial bonds with mm. parents that you are biologically related to than than uh, ones that you aren't, and that's where I think a lot of it comes from is just okay. the like parent-child bond. I don't think that it has really like I mean yeah obviously the economics of time plays into it. Mm -hmm. But that mostly plays into... What do, you mean, what do you mean by that? Uh, only so much time one person can devote to stuff. Yeah. Two parents okay. makes it a lot easier to have time devoted to children than 
you know, like, a single parent that has to work and take care of kids and do everything, mm-hmm. like... Well, I mean, if we're going to go with yeah. how much time we can spend with the kids, why don't they just both quit their jobs and just spend all well, day every day because poverty's not good for them. Right, and neither Fe- is staying in a terrible marriage. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, um, another thing that you had mentioned um, on kind of a different path, because I think that we are not going to reach an agreement on this one. Um, That's okay. <laughs> I think people have in this room have different personal experiences on all ends of it, because sure. like my parents aren't divorced, but I've seen divorced families and things like that. Um, so another thing that you talked about, though, was uh, men not getting... Uh, they don't get as many, like, uh, what is it, guardianship rights to their children? Uh, yeah. Custody. Uh, custody. custody. Yeah. Uh, Primary custody. Do you custody. know yeah. how many court ca- cases go to court actually over custody? Off the, off the top of my Less head. Less than 10%. No. <laughs> um, which means that these uh, cases were settled outside of court, which means that people agreed to it, which means that the number of fathers who don't have custody is because it was their choice. It wasn't mandated by a court of law. So the statistic of, well, men don't get rights to their children as much means that some men were not willing to fight for their children. What about those 10% of men that did fight? Should they just be left out in the wind, or um, should they I get an equal shake? They should, and I was doing research um, because I didn't know anything about men's right, rights activism, and um, I wanted to see kind of like what we might disagree on with me as a feminist and you as a men's rights activist. Um, and I was looking into the cases, and the court system um, is changing a lot. It's being very much more revolutionized to a case-by-case basis um, of who the child connects with more. So the child often has a choice um, if parents are both fighting to be with their child. Um, and not necessarily a choice, a choice, because it's still like, you know, can they support the child? Is it, is it a good idea to send the child with this person? But um, connection is taking a lot more into account. Um, and so I was looking on websites where I was kind of giving advice to the fathers, um, more than just, just facts, because that's, there's more, more of those. Um, and often when the child is younger, yes, it's the mother because the mother, you know, all of, yeah. the, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But if you a know, father biological is, reasons yeah, but if a father is involved childhood. and active in their child's life, then they have just as much of a shake at getting the child as the woman does. Like that's that's what's happening is more and more men are getting custody because they're not just looking at arbitrary things because they're treating women as women well, instead of just ch- children. You, you call into question my, you know, sources on my paper. I think I'm going to call into question your assertion there. Okay, that's like fair. Like, where, where are you getting that from? There I, think, I think Megan does her research, too. I think uh, I'm not I saying think she uh, doesn't. I'm just questioning right. Well, we weren't saying you didn't, either, yeah. when we were questioning the validity of your yeah. research. Right. I, I just, um, I do know that I was looking at, you know, .org websites rather than just .com websites, and I, that is overwhelmingly, yeah. and that's what happens a lot of times in divorces that settled outside of court. Yeah. A lot of my citations were .org and .gov, too. Oh, well, and I don't doubt that yeah. i was just making sure because i don't know i didn't know so and it's fair and it's, i'm sure it's valid research and um i'm sure that there's there's reasons why that those numbers came up and that that is um the way that it is seen um and i know that there's a lot of special cases that i might be thinking of that the data didn't show um and so i, I mean i know that and i personally disagree but i know that they're numbers so well, I have to let you both go, <laughs> because um, technically we are out of town, but before before I do my whole ending spiel, um, is there anything that either one of you would like to 
say before we go or any last comments on what we've talked about previously i definitely want to have both of you on again <laughs> um whether together again or separately it doesn't matter to me because i've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation but um derek is, is there anything that that you'd like to say last uh, or just like to apologize to megan for taking up so much of the time <laughs> okay. oh no. That no 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 <laughs> i felt like i was kind of talking a little bit too no we'll ask, we'll ask you questions so it's fine yeah. i i After wanted to hear you? from you people want to hear from you okay uh, I mean, things might get a little heated, but everything's in good, you know, great. in good fun. Yeah. You know, it's just a nice debate. It's mm -hmm. always really nice to have. Mm -hmm. I was glad to argue with you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an honor. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that it was really interesting researching men's rights activism and kind of the different things that were going on with that. Um, and I'm I'm interested because I think that a lot of it is very closely tied to feminism because a lot of feminists are not they're misandrists they're not actual feminists yeah. but if you look at it yeah, if people were being actual feminists which i think there's a move more towards that now Hopefully. is that yeah. men yeah. should have just as much of an opportunity to be with absolutely. their children because it's that's absolutely yeah. reasonable and men should have paternity leave uh, men's re uh, health should have just as much research um so i am kind of excited that feminism is moving back towards men should also have these opportunities. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Like a, I think a good example of that is Christina Hoff Summers, who was, I mean, shown her age a little, but she was a second wave feminist. <laughs> and uh, she's become kind of like a big star in the men's rights movement. And that, uh, I mean, a lot of, at a lot of modern day schools, she's not very welcome there. <laughs> in like conferences and stuff. Really? Yeah, she, oh, her speeches have been literally, like, shut down and stuff. That's been happening a lot, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm pissed to have a whole show on shut yeah, down speeches. Yeah, that, that's so very common for men's rights organizations. Yeah. They get shut down all the time. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for the cookies, Derek. Yeah. They yeah. were amazing. They really My were. favorite kind of cookies. Um, God this bless is Take and Bake. For <laughs> sure. Uh, this has been a wonderful discussion, and to my audience, please come back next week and the week after that, because I will continue to bring on brilliant voices such as Derek and Megan, probably literally both of them, <laughs> once again. Um, thank you for coming on, both of you, and to my audience, thank you for joining me tonight. This has been Coalition M. I'm your host, Carson Lopez, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>